Thank you for listening to our messages online. Today, Pastor Scott continues our series, Summer Stories, as we look into the books of First and Second Kings. here today and we're going to continue in a series entitled Summer Stories as I'm sharing some great stories from the books of First and Second Kings and we're going to look at that again today, see some stories of people but ultimately see the story of God and, and then the application that has for us. Our lives are stories, they're filled with stories and uh, first service this morning we had an opportunity uh, one of the gentlemen from uh, Dalton Teen Challenge had graduated this past week, and we just heard some of his story, and, and uh, he had failed in this program three previous times, and, uh, but he finally graduated, and, you know, and that was, was just part of his story. And every one of us have a story, and I invite you to sit down with somebody this next week and just hear some of their story, whether it's the story of this past week or the story of years gone by. We all have them there stories of hurt, but we can look at these stories and say they're really stories of God's grace, God's grace. I, I want to just acknowledge uh, one family that's here with us today, and it's a way that God's even been gracious to me, but Rob and Robin Buell are here with their family today. Rob and Robin and Leanne, where's Leanne, Leanne and Titus and Silas, is Silas up in the nursery? And uh, they were a part of our church for a few years. Rob is pastoring a church in Wisconsin now, uh, but Rob has been a good friend to me in the last couple of years, and so I just want to say good to see you guys, and I just give God praise for getting to have you in my lives, my life, and uh, so glad that you're here today, glad that you're here today. Well, let's open our Bibles, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, page 299. You want to follow along in this Bible in front of you, and I'm going to ask you, grab a Bible. If you got one handy, grab a Bible. If it's on your phone, I don't care. Grab a Bible. I want to show you some things today. I want you to read along with me. I want you to take a few notes. We have some kids with us today, and kids, you can take some notes as well. And in case I forget, kids, I'm just going to tell you now, after the service, after the service, kids, you come up here, you bring your bag back with the crayon, and we've got a treat for you. I just forget to say that sometimes at the end, so I'm going to say that right now. I'm going to say that now. All right, today, today I want us to consider a man named Elijah. Elijah, he is a prophet of God. He is the one, we talked about him a bit last week, but I want to look at his life a little bit in what I've entitled Faith Check today. Sometimes we go to the doctor and we get a checkup from the doctor. Sometimes you take your car in, the car has to get checked on. And today we are going to have a time together as we open the Word of God and let the Word of God examine our faith. We're going to have a little checkup with our faith. The question is, who are you trusting? In fact, I'd like you to answer this question today and let it be pondering as I speak a little bit. What are you trusting God for right now? This past week, what have you been trusting God for? God, I need help with this. I need provision with this. I need relationship help with this. What are you trusting God with right now? I started answering that for myself. I wrote, well, I'm trusting God for my kids and their development, for health, whether it's my health or my family or many of you. I hear your prayer requests and I pray for you. And, 
Uh, I trust God for that. I'm trusting God for this fall. We are going to do some great things this fall. I can't wait to tell you about that in the coming days, but we're going to have a fantastic fall kickoff, and I'm trusting God for that. For relationships, I, again, hear some of your stories, and I'm trusting God for you and for us in relationships. And so I want to show you this story today. And as we do, I want you to, in this story, as we have a faith checkup, I want you to have strength for today, and I want you to see there's a bright hope for tomorrow. There's a bright hope for the future as we check our own faith. Let me give you a little bit of the setting. We talked some of this last week because today's story is kind of a progression of last week's. And so let me just tell you where we were last week. There's this man named Ahab. He's a king of Israel, and he's evil. He does what's right in his eyes, not in the eyes of the Lord. And he's just a, he's a bad dude. He's making a lot of mistakes. He's leading the nation of Israel away from God. And there's this man named Elijah. He is a prophet from God. God says, I want you to go, and I want you to talk to the king. I want you to show him his faults. I want you to try to get him to turn back to me. And so... In this story, and Elijah tells the king, he says, Okay, king, you have sinned in such a great way, there's not going to be any rain here for a while. Not any rain unless it's at my command. God has given me this authority, so no rain for a while. And so there was no rain for three years. No rain for three years. And so this caused a massive drought which then would lead to a massive famine, and people are struggling. But all of this happened as a consequence for their sin. I was looking at this, and it's not an accident that this happened. Just, eh, for three years we didn't have rain. No, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't the first thoughts of global warming, all right? They may have thought that, but it wasn't that. It was that God had a plan. And God realized that there were God wars going on. God wars going on with the king. There were God wars going on with this nation, and, and I want to show you some of this real quickly because the questions are going to be, who are we going to love? Who are we devoted to? What are our idols? Because even today, you and I, we, we come in carrying our own idols. We, we have God wars. We, we have this battle in our heart and in our mind. You, sometimes you want to serve the God of comfort, and you just want to be comfortable. Or sometimes you serve the God of control, and you just have to have everything in control so that your kingdom is just the way you want it. Or sometimes you have the God of significance, and you want people to notice you and pay respect to you. And so we have all these different idols idols and gods, and these are God wars going on with us. Let me show you 1 Kings chapter 18. We looked at this last week. I just want to look at this little passage here. Elijah came near all the people, a group like this, but even larger. It was the nation of Israel. And he said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, if Yahweh is God, follow him. But if it's Baal, which a lot of you are worshiping, then go ahead and follow him. And the people didn't answer him a word. They were stunned. They're like, uh, yeah, who, who do we serve? If I had to ask you today, serve the one true God or serve your comfort, you might, uh, I like my comfort. If I said serve the one true God or you serve seeking control and significance, some of you, uh, could be a tough one. 
Here's a question for every one of us to consider right now. Today, this next week, all the days of our life, who will you choose? Who will you choose? It's a daily battle. It's a daily war going on. Who will you choose? It's a war we face. And what we looked at last week is that God miraculously worked And God does this. He miraculously works in our lives to do a couple things so that we'd know a couple things. This is what we looked at last week, that he is the one true God. That God miraculously worked a miracle that day in 1 Kings 18 to show that he was the one true God. He works in your life over and over and over to show you that he's the one true God. God also powerfully works in your life So that you and I would know that he seeks to turn our hearts back to him. He's working at this. Today I want to turn your heart back to me again. Today I want to turn your heart. Tomorrow he's going to say, I want to turn your heart back to me. I know you want other gods and I know that you want other things and you want to put yourself first. But God powerfully works in our lives to say, I'm turning your heart back. I'm turning your heart back over and over again. And so in this story, there was a battle. If you grab the backside of your notes there, you see a big circle. And I want you to write down some words on this circle today. There was a battle that we looked at last week. Put battle right there on that circle. Frankly, I thought our lives could be described as one big battle. We're just constantly in some kind of a war in our minds, in our hearts, with other people. We have a world that we wage war against. There's an enemy that we wage war against, our own flesh. There's just a constant battle. Now, for Elijah, the man of God, he was having a battle with 850 prophets of other gods. I thought, man, what a terrible fight that was. I like competition, maybe one-on-one, two-on-two. Maybe, you know, if we have the odds slightly against us, that's not too bad because then when you win, it's all the more great. But one against 850, this was ridiculous. But this is the, what Elijah had in front of him. And God says, Elijah, I want you to speak for me in front of 850 Uh, prophets of other gods. I want you to speak in front of the nation. So I'm thinking through this, and I'm like, man, that's a tough scenario, one against 850. But then I thought, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Amen? Amen? If God is for us, who can be against us? Go ahead and write this down, if you would. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. That's where I got that. I didn't make that up. I'm just reciting that to you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans chapter 8. And this week, if you're looking for something fantastic to read, just read this chapter filled with great truths. One of them being, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so Elijah, he goes into this battle. I'm just one. I'm going against the 850 prophets of the false God. But if God is for me, who can be against me? And I was like, man, that's still a tough job. And then I thought about us. I thought, you and I, do you know what? You and I have the, the responsibility. We have been given the message, the ministry, to speak for God. Write down this passage, if you would, under the word battle. 2 Corinthians 5.20. And it says that you and I are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
As you go to work, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. As you live in the neighborhood, you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. God is speaking to your neighbors, to your workplace, to your family through you and through me. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And so we live constantly on a battlefield. I want you to understand that, that we live our lives in a battlefield. So last week, there was this battlefield. Elijah comes over here, and there was an altar built to the Lord, and it had been kicked down and destroyed, and he put it back together, if you were here with us, and he's remembering the 12 tribes of Israel, and he's saying, oh, God, do something great. Listen to me right now, and show these people that you are the one true God. Show these people that you're turning their hearts back to you. God, do something special. So I want you to hear me, and I want you, I'm going to put water on this sacrifice, and I'm going to drown it, and I'm going to ask that you pour fire on this, but I'm going to dump all this water so they have no excuse. Then I was thinking, you know what? God loves the impossible situation. He loves it. He loves it when our lives get so impossible, we're like, I can't do this. And he's like, that's exact. Put more water on it. This is not how you usually start a barbecue or a fire, but go ahead and douse it with water. And I just want to show you that I excel in coming through in impossible situations. And then Elijah, he steps back and says, God, I know you hear me. Show these people that you're the one true God. Show these people you're turning their hearts back. And take care of that barbecue right there. And a fire from heaven came, and I'm hoping it doesn't because it would really freak us out. But what happened is the fire from heaven came and it burned up the offering and the sacrifice. And the people, they turned. They turned. They repented. They chose. They said, oh, it's not these fake gods that we've been worshiping. It is the God who is the maker of heaven and earth. It is him. It is him. And there was a great victory this day because they came to understand that, yes, It is the maker of heaven and earth who is the one true God. So I want you to write this word down, victory, at the top of your circle, victory. Because as Elijah's having this battle with the other gods, he experienced great victory. God came through, and there was one of these moments, woo, yeah, and God had done this. In the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Oh, blessed be your name. Praise be your name, God. There are good days. There are victorious days. And I just want to praise you. Now, watch this. Because in victory moments, these are really faith checks. When you experience victory, the question is, who are you going to trust? Because whether or not we know this, when you're on top of the mountain, when you've had a victory moment, whatever that might be, let's just be honest, there's nowhere to go but down. And these are faith moments. God, I thank you for the blessing. I thank you for the goodness. But I'm going to trust you. I trusted you for the victory. You showed up. But I also know there's kind of nowhere else to go but down for the next season. But when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all that it should be, faith check, who are you going to trust? I know it's easy to praise God when we're up here, but sometimes we 
forget that God did it. We start thinking maybe we did something. And it's a faith check. Who are you going to trust tomorrow, the day after victory? Who are you going to trust in this next season? Who are you going to trust? Verse 41, let's pick up our story new today. After this great victory of God, and the people turned to God, Elijah said to King Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Elijah says, I know it hasn't happened for three years here, but God gives me this authority. By faith, I'm telling you, I hear the rushing of rain. I hear goodness coming. Now let's catch this. Elijah did not hear the rushing of rain. There was no rain at the time. But by faith, he knew that it was coming. God had been victorious. The people had turned and repented. The people said, nope, that's the one true God. They're following him. And Elijah says, oh, I hear by faith the sound of the rushing of rain. It really wasn't rain yet, but Elijah had faith. Now, faith is this. Faith is knowing that something is coming. It's knowing that God will. Even when you can't see it, even when you can't hear it, he says, King, just get ready to eat and drink. The drought is nearly over. The famine is nearly over. I hear this by faith. I just know this is going to happen. I just know it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Write this passage down. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Faith is saying, I just know it. I know it. I know it. For us who are believers in Jesus Christ, I've never met Jesus face to face and shook his hand. But I know he exists. And I know he died for my sins. And I know that he still lives. And I know that he's coming back to get me. And I know that he's producing his life in me. And he's doing the same for you who follow him. He's doing this. Even though I haven't seen it, this is faith. I live by faith, not by sight. And trusting God here, Elijah told the king, go, it's about ready to rain. Verse 42. Now watch this, this gets great. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. The king, the king is finally, whoo, three years, we're going to get some rain. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. He goes back to where the altar of the Lord is. He goes back to the place of victory. And while he's there, it says, he bowed himself down on the earth and he put his face between his knees. I tried it, I can't. I'm not that flexible. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And so what he does is he's sitting here, the king is going, the king is getting ready to eat. And he says, I need my servant. Servant, come on up here, buddy. Here's what I want you to do, servant. I want you to go. And it says, we're going to go look toward the sea. I want you to go look that way. And I want you to see a rain cloud. And I want you to report back to me. Because the Lord has told me rain is coming. The people's hearts are turning back to him. It's going to be a good day. Just go tell me what you see. Tell me about this good. Oh, man. Woo! My servant. He's running fast. Servant, 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 what did you see? Nothing. Nothing? I expected a rain cloud. What did you see? 
Nothing. Oh, no. Oh, faith check. First faith check for Elijah. What are we going to do? I was sure the rain is coming. I told the king the rain is coming. I'm expecting the rain to come. The people's hearts are going back to God. Rain is coming. There's no more drought, no more famine. Who do you trust when you hear a report of nothing? Who do you trust? So Elijah says, go check a second time because I'm pretty sure. I told the king. I know. Man, I hope he doesn't hurt himself. (laughs) Man, we're getting some good news today, folks. What'd you see, servant? Nothing? Nothing? Uh Uh-oh. What do you do when there's a second time of nothing? I mean, you're expecting, oh, I just know God's going to do this. I mean, I told the king. What do you do? It's a faith check, isn't it? What do you do when you hear nothing? You've been praying for something and nothing. You've been expecting growth and nothing. What do you do? It's a faith check. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? When I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, who are you going to trust? Here's what they say, servant. Third time's a charm. I believe it. Go. Woohoo! My servant, hope he doesn't hurt himself. Lord, Lord, this is it. I know it. Third time's a charm. I expect it. You, it there's going to be rain. My servant, what'd you see? Nothing. Nothing again? Oh, my land. I told the king there's going to be rain. I'm expecting rain. Not, no clouds? On the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, who will I trust? Who will you trust when the third time's not the charm? When you've prayed and the third time wasn't the charm? I'm just not sure anymore. I mean, I believe there's going to be rain, but I, 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 I can't imagine. Come on. What did you see? Nothing. Sit down. Golly. Go back to verse 42, if you would, and notice where Elijah is. Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Now, let's just remember there was a great victory there. It wasn't long ago there was a great victory. There was a fire from heaven. There was a great answer from God. And I wonder if he's going back. I mean, it's probably easier for the servant to get a good view of a cloud forming over by the sea. But I wonder if he comes back to this because this is a place of victory. Where do you go when you're finding nothing? Where do you go? 
I, I think Elijah goes back to the place of victory. I think you and I should go back to the place of victory when there's nothing. For instance, I, I go back to the Word of God and read in Colossians, I've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. I've been brought into the kingdom of the Son He loves. That's a place of victory. That's a truth of victory. When I see nothing, I hold on to a truth like that. Or Ephesians chapter 2 says, You were dead in your sins, but God made you alive out of his mercy. He made you alive with Christ. I go back to a place of victory like that. Or I go to 1 John chapter 3 and it says, Oh, you are a child of God. That's what we are. Sons and daughters. You go back to that place of victory and say, I'm hearing a lot of nothing, but I'm going to a place of victory because I'm expecting victory. Fifth time, go do it. <laughs> it's happening this time. I hope if he comes back and says nothing, I don't know what I'm going to do. Servant. Oh, gee. It's a faith check, isn't it? Nothing. Nothing in your kid's life. Nothing in your spouse's life. Nothing in no, any, no breakthroughs with your health. Your spirit is dry, nothing. It's a faith check. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust in these times of, that's a whole lot of nothing. In fact, somebody might ask you after church, what was church about? Today you could actually say it was a whole lot of nothing, all right? <laughs> and you'd be right. We've gone five times. You know the drill, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate you. Tell me about the rain cloud. Six times. <laughs> oh, man, there's got. What'd you see? What'd you see? Nothing. Nothing again? Uh. Sit down again. Write this passage down, if you would. Luke chapter 18. Read this story this week. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story and he says there's a widow who needed justice. And she wasn't getting it. And she kept praying and she kept praying and she kept praying and she kept getting nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing. And Jesus says, I'm telling you this story. It's a parable so that you would continue to pray and not give up. I'll tell you, your father will take care of you. He hears you. There are going to be seasons of nothing, but your father, he hears you. And so because he is a seventh time big fella, I believe in this God. I've seen nothing, but we're going to see something. Come on, what do you see? Poor guy. What would you see? Something. What? What? Something. Something? Yes. Would you, like What? So it's not much. It's tiny. It looks like a, like a hand. But it's something. Like a small hand. But it's something. Sure. It's something. Sure. Woo! Praise the Lord for something. Go to verse 44. 
And the seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. So God's throwing us a bone. So you're saying we got a chance. One in a million. One in a million. And Elijah said to his servant, go up. You go say to King Ahab, prepare your chariot. Go down lest the rain stop you because the rain is coming. You go tell Ahab, the rain is coming. Woo! It's the best servant. Give the servant a hand. (laughs) But it's a faith check. Will you keep going through these seasons of nothing and nothing and nothing? And will you keep asking God and will you be faithful? Or would you give up? I imagine Elijah wants to give up. After the third time's the charm, it's like, oh, I could give up. But he doesn't. Keeps asking. The end of the drought is coming. God is working because Elijah sees this with the cloud. He knows that hope is coming. There was always hope. He just couldn't see it. He had faith that there was hope. But I want you to know there's always hope coming. You see nothing and nothing and nothing in your life, but hope is around the corner when we have God on our side. When you see nothing and nothing and you think you're at the bottom and you are at the bottom and there's nothing, I want you to know that because of Jesus, hope is just around the corner. Can I get an amen? This is our confidence. We hope in God because hope is around the corner. When it looks like nothing in your life, I want you to know that there's hope. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, write down this verse if you would. And it says that Jesus, he is our hope, a sure and a steadfast anchor for the soul. My soul wants to go down to the pits. My soul wants to waver. But there is an anchor for my soul, and it's Jesus, and he's my hope. And I don't know where you're at in this nothing chart, but there's hope just around the corner. There's always hope. There's always hope. Verse 45. In a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds, and that was actually a good thing. And the wind, and there was a great rain after three years. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel because he had a palace there. He's going there. He needs to get there before it gets too muddy. Verse 46, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. I want you to know the hand of the Lord is not only on Elijah, but the hand of the Lord is on us. That the Lord is rejoicing over you with singing. His hand is on you when you experience nothing. You say, I'm not seeing it. My hand is on you, the Lord says. And you say, but I've had nothing a few times. He says, my hand is still on you. You say, Lord, it's been more than seven times. He says, my hand is still on you. There is hope around the corner. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, verse 46. And he gathered up his garment, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I checked it out. It's about 25 miles. It might have been 26.2 miles. This may have been the first recorded marathon ever run. Have you seen those bumper stickers on the back of people's cars? You know, they accomplished the marathon, and they put 26.2 on their car. Yeah, yeah, I, I see those. I get discouraged by those. I'm like, oh, I could never run that. I like the bumper the sticker that says .262. All right, that's my style. But Elijah, he runs 26.2 miles or so. But, but isn't, isn't that true? When there's hope, 
when you know there's hope, you can make it through the nothings. You can make it 26.2 miles. When you know that there is hope, there might not be hope tomorrow. There might not be hope next week. But there is a hope for sure for all eternity with God. Can I get another amen? Amen. Just heard that one of our longtime saints recently went on hospice care. In one sense, there is no physical hope. He's going to die. Has he run out of hope? Uh-uh. Oh, no. I saw him last week, and there's more hope than ever. <laughs> He's like, actually, this body's failing, and I've got to be a part of a bunch of great things. But my hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And so I got hope. I I can run 26.2 miles or whatever it is. I can handle this. And you can handle this because of this hope. But it's a faith check. Who are you going to trust? You're going to trust just doctors? You're going to trust your own body or your own relationships? Or are you going to trust in God Almighty? So I I thank God for us getting to see hope and getting to see hope fulfilled. Now, for Elijah, this was a three-year battle in the making. Some of you have been in a battle for longer than that. Some of you are just starting maybe a a three-year battle. This was a three-year battle in the making And then this checking of the clouds, it was a faith battle. It took seven times. Is there rain? Is there rain? It was a continual battle of faith. It was a faith check. Who are you trusting in? What are you putting your hope in? You better be in God. You see, we praise him in the high moments. And we trust him in those high moments. But we can even praise him in the low moments because we're trusting him in the low moments. Because there's hope in Jesus Christ. He gives you good gifts, enjoy them. Sometimes he takes away. And when he does, you you still praise him. You still praise him. Because the hope was not in that gift. The hope was in something greater. He is perfect in all of his ways. And there's a faith check for us. Moment by moment, day by day, you're having a faith check today. Who are you going to trust today? Who are you going to trust this next week? Who are you going to trust when you go to the doctor again soon? Who are you trusting? This life is just one battle after another. This life is just one faith check after another. Who are you trusting? Who are you trusting? There's always another battle, isn't there? There's always another one. You're like, man, I got through that battle. There's, there's always going to be another battle. It's going to be a faith check. And there was another battle for Elijah. I want you to go to chapter 19. I want to read a couple verses with you. I just want you to see another battle. He kind of goes through this, and there's victory and nothing, and there's hope. And, but he's back in the battlefield again. Chapter 19, Ahab tells his wife Jezebel all that Elijah had done. That was at the altar. That was when God shows himself. He has all the false prophets slaughtered. 850 false prophets slaughtered. After that, 
Ahab tells Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. You got 24 hours. I'm having your head on a platter, buddy. Then Elijah was afraid. And he arose and he ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. Here was another faith check. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? He's like the queen. She's powerful. She wants me dead. And he ran. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust tomorrow? Two ways to look at this. Enjoy the good times and run from the bad times. Or enjoy the good times and have faith during the difficult times. So I'm looking at this story. The example is not Elijah to follow. I mean, Elijah did a great job just trusting and trusting and trusting through the nothing. But Elijah... He's not the perfect example here. The perfect example is Jesus, the Son of God. I mean, Elijah was a man of God, but even he lacked faith and ran. Jesus, he trusted his Father. And he pursued death. He pursued the cross. He didn't run from it. I asked you to write down Luke 18 and look at that story. Write down one more passage in the nearby location of Luke 18, and that's Luke 22. Read some of Luke 22 this week. Read how Jesus, with, when faced with death, does not run from it, but pursues it. He says, this is where I'm going because I trust God completely. I trust my Father completely. I know they want my life, but I'm going to trust Him completely. This leads us to communion today, and this is how we're going to finish our service today. We're going to remember the fact that Jesus died. He died in our place. That his death was an offer to us for the forgiveness of our sins if we would believe in him, if we would trust in him. As we're considering the life of Jesus, then his life was a battle. Many victories, many great moments. Like, whoa, look at that. But many times of nothing. Many times of Nothing good happening here. Nothing good happening here. Nothing good here. The days leading up to the cross, nothing good happening here. Time on the cross, doesn't seem like anything good's happening here. The disciples see Jesus crucified and they're saying, nothing good is happening here. They see him not only on the cross, but they see him killed on the cross. They see him buried and they say, nothing good here. But <laughs> we eat and we drink in remembrance not only in the death of Jesus, but that God the Father raised him from the dead. Write this down with me, if you would. Remembering that though the death of Jesus appeared to be nothing good, God was still working his story. God was still working his story. God is still working his grand story. He was working it in Jesus when it looked dark, when it looked hopeless. But he was working his story. And in your life, when you say, oh, it's dark, it's hopeless. When you say, nothing, nothing, nothing good is happening. 
God says, I'm writing a story. You see, God's not done. Would you go ahead and repeat that one after me? God's not done. Say that with me one more time. God's not done. He's not done with you. He's not done writing your story. You might see some nothing. You might be in the midst of a battle, but he's not done writing your story. In fact, the only thing that's done is when Jesus is on the cross and he said, the work is done. The debt is paid. It is finished. It's done. That's the only thing that's done, but your story's not done. My story's not done. It's not done. You're saying, all I'm seeing is nothing. Your story's not done. You keep praying. You keep praying for your kids. You keep praying for people. Say, but I'm not seeing anything. Your story's not done. God's still writing the story. It's a faith check. I'm going to invite you, whether it's to one of these two in the front or two stations in the back, I'm going to invite you in just a moment. If you've trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, to come up and grab a piece of bread Grab a cup of juice and eat and drink and, and, and do that wherever you want, whether you want to do that up here or just back at your seat whenever you're ready. But I want you to eat and drink, and I want you to say these words to yourself, God's not done. That's what this bread and this juice also symbolize. God's not done. It's crazy. We're eating and drinking, remembering a crucifixion and a death, but God's not done. You take that as you take the bread and you take the cup and you ingest that, ingest these words. God's not done. He's not done with me. He's not done with my loved ones. He's not done with my story. He's not done in my workplace. He's not done in my home. He's not done in my neighborhood. He's not done. If you have kids with you today, I invite you to share with them. Maybe they're not ready to do this. Maybe they have not trusted Christ as their Savior. Just explain what this is. Hopefully it piques an interest in this Jesus who died on their behalf. And we're going to have some prayer people up here, and they're going to pray for you. They're simply going to pray these words over you, even if you come right by them. They're just going to, God, help them to know you're not done. You're not done. But if you'd like them to pray for you, I'm just going to, because maybe you're sitting there saying, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm sick of nothing. I'm sick of the battle. Let these people pray for you and say, God, help them to know today it is not done. You're still writing your story. You're still writing your story. So today, let's close with a faith check together as we take communion. Who are you going to trust? Yourself, your way, or the God who's working his story? And he says, I'm not done. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this story. Thank you for the example of Elijah going to the place of victory where you had won and that he would keep sending his servant because he just knew that you would show up. God, would you give us that tenacity to be faithful in prayer, to just, you're not done. You're not done. And when we face that next battle, help us to be like your son Jesus who ran into the battle knowing that with you all things are possible. If God is for me, who can be against me? And I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. 
as we drink, as we eat, as we remember today. Help us to remember that you're not done. You're not. Some of us are on the mountaintop, and that's great, but that's not where it ends. You'll bring us through more battles. Some are in the middle of nothing, and they've been there for a while, and you're not done. There's hope in the one who took our place on the cross. There's hope in the one who was raised from the dead, who's seated at your right hand, who's praying for us. And he's saying these words today, I'm not done working. I'm not done working. So would you give us faith to trust you this week? Help this to be a faith check even now. Who am I trusting? And may we choose, may we answer, I choose the one true God who is turning my heart back to his. God, we thank you for your work and we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week as Pastor Cyrus continues our Summer Stories series. 